Okay. We're going to get combsing. <laughs> Here we are with the okay. first episode of Combs Crew, the one and possibly only podcast <laughs> solely dedicated to the works of Jeffrey Com- Sir Jeffrey Combs. Sir Jeffrey. <laughs> He's, I assume he's been knighted. And if he hasn't, we got to get on that. That's, that should be our goal. If he has not been, we'll, go, we'll Google it. So we're apparently doing his films in reverse interest order because we're starting with Dr. Mordred, the, <laughs> the Jeffrey Combs film that probably people care about less than any other Jeffrey Combs film. Oh, I'm sure that's not yeah. true. It's really, it's a really strange movie. I think we'd all agree, right? Yeah. 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 This strange is a good word because this is Doctor Strange just without the Marvel rights to Doctor Strange. <laughs> that's the first thing that's worth talking about is, yeah, it, people are pretty certain that this was originally a Doctor Strange movie uh, made by Charles Band. At some point, he lost the rights to Doctor Strange, but he just made a movie anyways and called it Doctor Mordred, and it's basically Doctor Strange. Um, <laughs> Which put in context, like, kind of does make more sense, make the movie make a little bit more sense, and also... It, do- it still doesn't make sense. <laughs> well, one thing that's funny when you learn that story is that I noticed in the opening credits it says uh, based on an original idea by Charles Band. Ooh. <laughs> and they explicitly yeah. say, oh, it's an original idea by me, which almost seems like something like, no, it's not Doctor Strange. I made this idea. I've never even heard of Doctor Strange. <laughs> He's named Dr. Mordred, so obviously different. Totally different. Well, it is. It's almost drawing attention to it makes it worse. Like, you're like, you didn't have to say, like, you're maybe overcompensating yeah. by being like, no, I came up with this totally by myself. Like, it's a little showy. A little bit, yeah. And it's funny, too, because it's like an original idea. But then once you watch the movie, it's like, what idea was that? Because nothing happens. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I like to think about the genre of this movie. Like, what what genre is Dr. Mordred? Any Fantasy? thoughts? sci-fi yeah yeah i mean yeah, it, aliens it wants, <laughs> this, this is a little like something i wanted to talk about because it it wants to be kind of a, a romance almost or like a love story and it which is frustrating because like jeffrey combs i i love the idea of him as like a, a full leading man with like yeah. a but it's it falls so flat like the the love story the all of that you could take out and nothing would change. There's not enough runtime to make a love story work. Yeah. No, it's just no, over no. so soon. Yeah. Yeah. Think- no, there's a lot in this movie that it feels like they cut it out, which is weird because they didn't have to cut stuff out. It's so short. <laughs> so yeah. short. Some facts about the film. I, I thought of it as a superhero film just because I know that it was based on Doctor Strange. But really, it's not a superhero yeah. film at all because nothing happens it's kind of it feels like an episode of doctor who or something in special effects budget and even in runtime so yeah jackie mentioned the length and when you look at the movie it's like an it's an hour and 11 minutes long and that's minus four minutes for the opening credits and then i think minus (laughs) minutes for the closing credits oh the opening credits you mean the slow pan through like the establishing shot and it's so close. It's like the yeah. camera is like a foot away from his bookcases. It's such a weird creative choice. It's like, yeah, no, I wonder if they had that apartment, you know, ready to go or if, you know, they put all of their effort into the apartment and either way wanted to be like, look at this apartment. Yeah. <laughs> well, it feels like it because there's only a th- there's only like three or four sets and the apartment is the main one. Yeah. Yeah. And that's another thing about this film. It's one of those films where they had 
as you just said, a very small number of sets and they really spend a lot of time in each of these sets. They, yeah. it feels almost like a stage play. It's so small in scope, which, <laughs> which is funny comparing it to a Marvel film, which are like way too large in scope. But I kind of love that about it. It's charming. It's, you know, it, it feels handmade and not overblown. I, I don't know. I, I, I'm not crazy about Marvel movies. So like, I find this just like, I don't know, charming. Well, that's, I think it has, like, what's slightly frustrating is it has a lot of potential. Like, you could see how things could have been fun, and we'll talk about it, but I feel like a lot of the most fun parts are the ones that are really random, like the crazy guy dancing when he's, like, you know? And, like, yeah. there are these moments that are, you get a glimpse of, like, what it could be, Yeah, but... <laughs> like, it, it could have been a great film if any of the characters did anything, but basically no one does yeah. <laughs> it is, they forgot to have any characters do things from start yeah. to hey, comb. <laughs> combs well, is, uh, you know combs, yeah, he does, that. Combs he has does his damnedest handcuffs like <laughs> you know well yeah we have to start by saying that combs is of course perfect in this film yes and when I say combs yeah, all- when I say combs I'm referring to Jeffrey Combs the actor <laughs> just so there's no yeah, sure. um, <laughs> let's kind of run through this thing so you mentioned the opening credits so opening credits, it starts off with this very slow pan over this set. It looks like half library, half like wizard's tower. And also like, it's all like old and there's ancient stuff and artifacts and whatever. But then there's neon. There's neon, yeah. Which it's like, there's yeah. really, <laughs> there's, ooh, look, he's got wacky stuff or oh, he's like modern too. They're subverting your expectations with neon. They're like, didn't expect this. There's, this, there's like some cold wariness of it too. There's like a giant map on the wall. There's a there's a wall full of television sets. Like it feels like a bunker. Yeah. At, at some point, and so then I think when you realize that it's just part, it's just, just this, some New York apartment. Yeah, building. and it's a, technically a studio, right? Like, or is, are there parts we can't see? Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. Where does he sleep? I don't know. <laughs> So, you know something's wrong right off the bat because it's, <laughs> they start to pan over the set. The set looks pretty good, actually. I'll say it's a good set, but that's because that's, I think, 90% of the budget is in this one set. Like, they found some strange yeah. room, they added some props, and that was, like, most of their budget. But it says... They bought two TVs, they put them on the wall, they're ready to go. It says, like, Charles Band... The text in the opening credits is very small. It's like 11 point font on the bottom of the screen. It says like, <laughs> yeah. Holmes, directed by Charles Band. And then it just says Dr. Mordred. And the text Dr. Mordred is not centered. It's still on the bottom of the screen and like 11 point It looks like subtitles. Yeah. <laughs> yeah no. Close captioning. Which is, I, I want yeah. Jeffrey Combs like name huge there. He's like the yeah. Yeah, flying out of you. And it's funny because it has the, a really impressive poster with uh, cool text and I think the official name of the film is Dr. Mordred, um, or with the sound, Dr. Mordred, Master of the Unknown. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, but in the opening credits, it's just Dr. Mordred, 11.5. Yeah. So small. <laughs> I love that. Well, they went all out for the poster. Yeah. yeah that, was, that was the budget. They blew that budget. But the way they show the title is almost like a perfect little microcosm of the movie. It's like, oh, that's much smaller and more boring than I expected. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> they haven't quite figured out the details, but they're just gonna roll with it. They're yeah, gonna wing it. <laughs> yeah, um, and we find out later that's where Doctor Mordred lives. The set we're seeing—it's his little his bat cave, basically. 
but his raven cave yeah yeah it's so funny that his raven is named edgar Allan poe Mm -hmm. and like did combs name it because he loves poe so i wonder like did he have a hand in that or is it just like kind of you know heavy-handed to name a raven poe one thing i didn't that occurred to me during this watching is he's (laughs) like his name is edgar Allan. yeah do we not know that that's not edgar Allan poe (laughs) <laughs> I thought at one point he is a space he... wizard. That could be the ghost of Poe in a bird. And, oh, and yet I again, see. like just that would have been a better. That would have been better. Like why not just to go there? He's like, this is the poet Edgar Allan Poe. <laughs> see, the problem with that idea is that it's interesting. So that that wouldn't be. Oh no! <laughs> Inspired by an original idea by. Oh. Um, so after these opening credits and the credits are like four minutes just panning over the entire set they show you every inch of the set before the movie starts then it cuts to we see Dr. Mordred in space uh, he's floating in space and he's talking to these floating eyeballs which are uh, they're called the monitor and I love monitor. these eyeballs monitor. Yeah. bright blue eyes they're supposed to be like godly eyes but they're kind of green screened out strangely so you can see like the blood vessels and the eyelashes and it's kind of gross actually yeah <laughs> Well, it reminded me of Rocky Horror, which does like the giant talking mouth so much more eloquently. Yeah. <laughs> it actually looks good on screen. And I love that you can tell it's space because there are stars. There's just stars. <laughs> so we're in space <laughs> established. Four minutes apartment, two seconds space. Good. They're big eyes. That's all you need. There's so many things that they don't explain. And like, I love that in a way that mm-hmm. they don't beat us over the head with like just a million like exposition stuff. But but at the same time, like some information would be nice. Yeah. <laughs> like what was he doing in there? And like all of his powers are like just so, I don't know. Yeah, we'll get to that. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's a lot to unpack. It's good to not explain everything, but at the same time, we never really know what powers Dr. Mordred has, where exactly he's from. We don't know anything for sure, which sounds cool. This movie has to feel like they are making it up as they go along. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of times, or like he comes up with something and people are like, why? And he's like, like, I will get to it. But I feel like at a point, there's even something where Mordred says, monitor, you know, my ability is limited. And it's like, yeah. what? Why is your ability limited? And then you, and then he goes and does the thing. So it just feels like they're always hedging. Yeah. Oh, yeah. like, yeah. No. yeah. And, and it's funny that you bring up that he mentions that my power is limited because he does say that. And then in another scene, it's the scene where he's on the floating rock with that, um, that guy Cutter. Yeah, <laughs> like he, he heals him and he's like, I am my power, like my power is powerful too. Or he, he said something like that. I have powers too. Friends. Yeah, something like I'm powerful as well. Yeah. It's well, like, well, wait, I just like seconds ago, he just said his power is limited. So yeah. there's a lot of eye stuff. I, it it yeah. didn't occur to me before. There's floating oh, yeah. eyes. There's a guy with missing eyes. Like, yeah. And my next viewing, I think I'm going to catalog. <laughs> All the the eye themes. Brian Thompson Thompson has kind of strange eyes a little bit. Oh my God. Yeah. So he's talking to the monitor. The monitor says something about how you will meet the death's head. And that's then Dr. Mordred says, okay, that is, yes, I'll do that. The death's head will seek you out. Do you know when? No. I took an oath. And when the time comes, I'll meet the death's head and beat it back. 
do they ever mention the death's head again? <laughs> That's the bad guy. Well, yeah, I know he's a bad guy, but do they? Actually- <laughs> That's the only time they refer to it. Like that. I know. I think they do it one other time really? because they say when he talks to him again, it's almost like there's a prophecy because they say like two of the signs have happened and the death head like they're kind of in the beginning like this might happen and then there's a confirmation of like oh yes the death head has escaped as i knew it always would or something and but it's yeah it's hard to break rules when you have no idea what the rules are (laughs) and they just throw stuff at you okay he's the death head and he's been locked up and now he's gonna break out and you'll figure out why (laughs) you're like okay (laughs) after the scene where he talks the eyes bam rio de janeiro (laughs) <laughs> like I think <laughs> we're there and I think one thing I found funny is that when you see Rio de Janeiro the text that says Rio de Janeiro is like 16 times the size of the text that said the name <laughs> in the opening yeah. card that scene is some of my favorite props of, of the entire thing mm. like like I love the 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 van the armored car like the the words on the side are like the ones you would buy at Michael's and like spray paint and glue to a wall you know and you're like oh yeah that's a what that's an armored you- car why don't you walk us through this scene or just like a quick run through of it? <laughs> so they're driving. There's an armored car driving down the road. It's like Bank of Rio. Yeah. They stop. One of the guards kills another guard. Yeah. Inexplicably. <laughs> Shoots him in the ass, which I find really funny. Like. <laughs> To one clarify, guy's, yes. One guy's in back of the truck, one guy's in front. I swear to God, the guy in back shoots the guy in front in a way that looks like he shoots him right in the ass. Because <laughs> you see him kind of come up from behind and shoot, and it looks like it's right in the ass. But sorry, can, <laughs> that's not related. So, yeah, so he shoots the guy in the ass, <laughs> yeah. and then it gets out. He starts moving uh, random metal boxes, yeah. you know, the kind they keep valuable metals in, mm-hmm. and just sets them in the middle of the road. And then just like that, there's a there's a Jeep coming up with Brian Thompson in it. Brian Thompson. Yep. <laughs> Iconic. <laughs> and, uh, Dressed kind of like a pirate. I, I would say pirate-esque. Space pirate-esque? Yeah. yeah. yeah like some cool shades pirate. on. Yeah. yeah. He's yeah. from Buffy, right? You said? I've never seen. That's that's my original uh, kind yeah. of thought of, of him. Yeah. Was, was a villain on Buffy. He plays Luke who is it's the it's an early early buffy and he's kind of the he's just this of course giant threat that is doing um the bidding of the master trying to get the master released from where he's trapped below kind of mid hell mid hell mouth yeah purgatory Um, which is great because the master is not at all threatening and i remember luke being like brian being very like make me yeah. uneasy and x-files I think, was my first intro yeah he was the guy with the stiletto that he would like put in the alien's neck and they would right. and then what do you going? guys kind of think of him as like what comes to mind? A, a bunch of star trek which actually i didn't realize until recently he he's been in two different episodes with combs he's been in a deep space nine episode in the very same episode where combs was playing wayun and wayun was actually like brian thompson's boss in that episode which i find really fun i really hope that they like talked about mordred or something (laughs) maybe not maybe they both trying to forget yeah they're like remember dr (laughs) mordred and brian thompson's like no (laughs) and then there was another episode where um I actually haven't really seen it because I'm not a huge Enterprise fan, but um, Combs plays the Sandorian with like, is like a blue guy with antenna. 
and Brian Thompson plays a Romulan in the very same episode. It's crazy. That's so Ooh. funny. Yeah. Sad, but Brian Thompson always seems to get like bad guy roles. <laughs> oh, I <God>. mean, <laughs> well, I remember him as the bad guy in Mortal Kombat Annihilation. He plays Shao Kahn. He's like big and jacked. And it's kind of like a vaguely skull-shaped face. He's like a good villain. He's I think it's his voice, too. Yeah. He has a... Yeah, that voice is just made to kind of growl oh, <laughs> like oh, yeah. threats at you. His voice is so good. Well, he's got an unnaturally deep voice where it sounds like you've just taken a normal voice and slowed it down on a computer. And it doesn't quite... Yeah. yeah. It sounds fake. But it's just how he sounds. It's his voice. Well, it's perfect for roles like this, too. Oh, yeah. Where he delivers lines very slowly. (laughs) It's like, that's the runtime. Beyond the barrier of heaven and earth, let it go free into a closed dwelling. May it cause it to enter. Well, (laughs) and so to bring it back to that scene, this is another one of those, like, watching it on the second time, I really noticed. So he has seemingly brain control yeah. of these two armored car drivers enough to have one of them kill the other by shooting and then him in the ass by shooting him in the ass <laughs> and then once he has what he needs he says to the other one you're no longer needed and he shoots it the the guard shoots himself in the head you are no longer needed And with that type of power, you think, well, what can't he do? Like, how easy should this be for him to just take over everything? But not that easy. He still seems yeah. t- it takes a while for him to put everything together. Yeah, no, you're right. Like, why, why doesn't he use that ever again? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> well, and like, we'll, f- we'll find out later in the movie that he and Mordred are like brothers. They're, they're, right? But Mordred doesn't have the ability to make guards shoot themselves in the head? I guess it's like a like a bad power, like he chose bad magic mm-hmm. or something, and Combs chose mm-hmm. like the good magic. I think they're not actually <laughs> blood brothers, I think they're just bros. Oh. It's hard to tell. Oh, they were just kind of raised oh. together? Yeah. But okay. this truck scene is funny, because like every other scene in the movie, like, it takes place in Rio de Janeiro, but it really takes place in like, 10 feet of dirt road. Like the camera just fixed <laughs> this little 10 feet of dirt road with some trees next to it. That looks suspiciously yeah. like California. Yeah. Oh, well. Yeah. yeah. It's and there's no reason why it needs to be in Rio, right? Yeah. Like there's no rhyme or reason for it. It could just as easily be in California, but maybe it's more impressive yeah. to. It's not. <laughs> so he, he walks up to the boxes and one of the notes I put down is metal boxes and metals and quotes because they just look like <laughs> wooden boxes that have been spray painted like the kind of terrible silver spray paint, but that's fine. <laughs> Take these bottles out of the boxes and just pours them on the same stretch of road that he's standing on. Just a little patch of dirt road. He just pours it out there and he's talking about a philosopher's stone and he's trying to summon something it seems like. This blood of the earth. May it find its place with the philosopher's stone. Yeah, because it, it almost seems like he's doing a spell at that point, right? Yeah. Like he pours it out and he's well, he pours it out and then they zap off to somewhere. Yeah. So I guess it's like some type of like maple syrup that yeah. is like a time travel maple syrup. I I sure. um, I don't know. I don't know. We later yeah. find out is we later find out is basically trying to open the portal to the fourth dimension. After this scene, we cut to B-roll of New York. And it's really, one thing I wrote down is that it's the worst B-roll of New York I've ever seen. Because they found this helicopter footage of New York 
where like there's no recognizable buildings there's no empire state building there's no chrysler building you just see skyscrapers and like if you're savvy if you're new york savvy you know oh that's the queensborough bridge i think there's new york it doesn't say new york at all just like it was like inspired by an original idea of new york (laughs) (laughs) but later on they do say it's new york i think yeah they do yeah yeah Yeah. scene where they're talking in the hallway of course yeah um because after this we go to the apartment hallway and we spend most of the movie in this apartment for <laughs> yes just for, in that yeah. hall but which is hilarious that they they start the rio scene is the most recognizable kind of iconic view of reno yes. and they say rio de janeiro and then new york it's like man you know, people will have slight new york accents you'll get caught yeah. up it's fine yeah. you'll figure it out um <laughs> we see we, we zoom into some apartment hallway and there's a weird scene one of the themes of this movie is that I think whoever wrote the screenplay doesn't know like why people go to jail or how, how prison works. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because we see these we see these two people in the hallway and they're arguing and they're yelling at each other. I think the guy's a dog and the dog's too loud. I checked with my doctor. He said I could sue you and that rotten dog for keeping me up. Oh, you're threatening me. You're some kind of a big deal lawyer? No, but my nephew Morris is gonna start law school in two years. <laughs> Yeah. And then we see the love interest, Samantha. She opens her apartment mm-hmm. door and she continues the trend of not knowing how prison works. Cause then she's talking to them. She's like, well, if you tell the cops about how the dog is loud, I'm going to tell the cops about how your TV is too loud. Then you'll go to prison. <laughs> Will you tell this man to keep his dog quiet or you'll throw him in jail? Mr. Bernstein, you're going to have to figure out a way to keep baby quiet. Otherwise she can call the police about it. And Mrs. Golden, if you call the police, I'm going to have to tell them how I can hear your television through my bedroom wall. And then everybody will be in jail except baby. Yeah. <laughs> and then later everyone on, will be in prison except yeah. for the dog she says yeah. yeah and the dog's name is baby i think we should yeah. only refer to it as baby from here on out that's that's very i forgot true. about that but there's another occurrence where someone's like just going to jail for something mundane yeah um it's when sam calls in the fire department and they notice that there's no fire and they're like you're going to prison yeah we're writing you up <laughs> called in a false alarm yeah. she's like how dare you think something was on fire and try and save people yeah. so just everyone is going to prison except for baby yeah. there's a handful of these side characters that are actually really quirky and strange who you see way too much considering how short the movie is <laughs> but that's And you would expect them to come back and be important and they are not at all. Like for how much time this, the scene takes up, they just kind of disappear. Yeah. Yeah. So Samantha's talking to the neighbors, then Dr. Mordred steps out of his door. And this is funny because this is when you realize that the crazy interior scene is not like a mansion. You'd expect them to have like a bat cave or a mansion. He just has like a studio apartment in the apartment building. Which is funny. It's not and, even like the penthouse. It's not even like the top floor. <laughs> no, it's just down the hall. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. I he love likes that. to stay humble, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So he shows up and immediately there's incredible tension, sexual tension between him and Samantha. <laughs> the sparks are so romantic, <laughs> sexual. Well, he does have that <laughs> sensual golden robe. Yeah. With his initials. I want that robe. It's amazing. It's glorious. <laughs> I, th- I think my favorite part of that scene is as soon as he comes out, she's like, you know, something about New York being nice back in the day. And he's like, it was hundreds of years ago. And she's like, what? I say a hundred years ago, New York was a nice place to live. It was. It was? I mean. Like the yeah. first thing he says to her, like gives away his whole shtick. 
he's so, I know he's so bad at he's this. So bad he's at so it. bad at it. I wrote this down because, yeah, because he immediately gives up the, he gives up his act immediately. <laughs> and she's like, oh, I haven't seen you here before. He goes, I work a lot. And then she says, listen, I'm curious about, and then he touches a necklace on his, he touches his necklace and just like, boom, teleports out with like a, there's a bunch of sparks. Oh, listen, I'm kind of curious about And he could have just gone back into his apartment, but for some reason, like he, he could have <laughs> just walked out. Yeah. yeah, or just said like, "Hey, I'm real tired. Talk to you some other time. Bye." But no, he had to use his like magic pendant to like to es- to escape out of there. to escape a conversation with like an attractive woman that he's attracted to. He like <laughs> <laughs> magic to go back into his apartment. Yeah. I love and, it. And doesn't he kind yeah. of like Men in Black her too, where he like clears her memory of the scene? Maybe. Oh. Maybe. I think so yeah, that, so that it, it hides his like immediate faux pas of saying he's hundreds of years old. I also love something that happens in this scene, which is kind of foreshadowing of how he is the worst landlord. Because I love she has just moved into the apartment. She's already like kind of smoothing things over among the tenants. And she apologizes to him yeah. for the amount of noise that's going on. And he's kind of like, yeah, thanks. To only to be like, he is the landlord. He is the one who should be taking care of yeah. stuff. But I love that she just immediately is in there, you know, negotiating with people and no, apologizing to him. Sorry about all the commotion. Oh, that's okay. He's like the worst landlord. Yeah. Or maybe, I don't know. Maybe he's got good rates. Who knows? Maybe. He goes back into his apartment. And I think now we have just a protracted him and his apartment scene. I think it's one of those. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's got a big map he likes to look at. He's looking at the map. He's looking at some books. He has a hundred televisions. He's watching the televisions. I think there's one they mention. One of the newscasts mentions that platinum has been stolen. <laughs> and he goes, mm-hmm. Police as yet have no clue as to the motive behind this shocking incident. At this time, the shipment of platinum has not been found. Platinum. And I guess this is one of the the key indicators that, you know, the death's head is coming back as platinum going away or something. It's a... Yeah, I wish he kind of like talked about it like, oh, you know, like made that connection. But no, he just hears platinum and like gets concerned about it and doesn't really say anything. Yeah. Yeah. Well, one of the weird parts of that scene to me is I think you meant, Catherine mentioned it earlier that it's like, he's like, the things have been stolen at at the correct times in the right places as prophesized. Yeah. And I'm like, if you knew when they were going to be stolen and where go there. Yeah. Don't let them be stolen. Yeah. And that's or like, yeah. how come we haven't heard this prophecy being said in the movie? Like, let's hear it. I want to hear this prophecy. It's like, yeah, yeah. Start the credits with the prophecy. Just yeah. be like the prophecy foretold that blah, blah, yeah. blah, blah, blah. Here we yeah. are. Yeah. He's too busy using his special powers to escape awkward conversations with attractive <laughs> women. Oh, listen, I'm kind of curious about He can't, he can't go to Rio and, and stop this theft that he knew was going to happen. And not, not only does he not stop in the past, I think I noticed this time that like in the entire runtime of the film, he never leaves his apartment again until the end when he gets arrested. <laughs> and he never goes anywhere. He's always in his apartment. There's one I think he goes one place. He does give a lecture on yeah. oh, serial killers and serial yeah. killers. Yeah. yeah. The cycles of the moon have been proven to affect the tides, 
magnetic polarity, and human behavior. The word lunatic comes from the Latin lunas, which means moon. We all know that when things get a little crazy, someone always remarks, there must be a full moon tonight. But otherwise, until he's arrested and thrown in jail, he just never leaves his apartment. He's just always in his apartment yeah. just looking at stuff. Um, Relatable. But the yeah. lecture makes me wonder, like, is that what he has his doctor in? Is he a doctor of, like, the occult? Like, what's the doctor about? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Him doctor in the movie ever? Is that happened? I don't know. Or did they just call him yeah. Morgan? I don't think they call him doctor at all. Yeah, yeah I don't think they refer to it at all. You're right. He doesn't call himself doctor. He's not like, ah, Dr. Anton. <laughs> we, I don't know what he is. We don't know if he's actually an alien, if he's an interdimensional being. I think he calls himself a sorcerer once, but then they use mm-hmm. him as alchemist a lot. Like alchemist? he, he and, calls himself an alchemist, or maybe the bad guy's an alchemist. I'm and not they quite even sure. talk about like angels or something. A little yeah, bit. there's biblical mm-hmm. stuff too later. So on. like, what? Is and he like, seems immortal. Like not that he can't die necessarily. Because when you know we'll get to it, but when he leaves his body and it needs to be protected, he's worried about not being able to come back or or something happening to his physical form but he so he's been alive for seemingly hundreds and hundreds of years mm-hmm. not explained you know, i wish the rules were kind of like laid out a bit yeah but on, on one hand it's so nice seeing combs in like the true hero role because well, yeah yeah like in star trek all, almost all of his roles are actually yeah i don't think there's a single role he's played in star trek where he's like a good guy each of his roles have been a little antagonistic in some way. And of course, like yeah. all of his movies are, he's not usually the hero or there, there's something about him that's like antagonistic. Yeah, it was he's like story. a conflicted hero. Yeah. yeah. This one, he's just straight hero. Yeah. yeah. Total good guy. It's nice to see. Yeah. yeah. And again, I like, I like seeing him as a romantic lead. Like I just wish the romance were a little heftier. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, for sure. I mean, let's talk about that a little bit since we're on it. So, Samantha is the main love interest and he is the main guy. They never say anything romantic to one another. They never hold hands. They never kiss. There's no kiss at the end. And not only that, like every time they have a conversation, the filming style, like they push the camera really close in. So you just see only his face, only Samantha's face. So it doesn't even feel like they're in the same room. They have this immense disconnect and there's just no distance. Yeah. Yeah there's just no connection whatsoever. And it's kind of funny. And like the closest they ever got was when she was like hanging out in his apartment for like all of two minutes talking about the occult a little bit. And he made her coffee from his like amazing freaking coffee machine. Yeah. 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 So let's, let's jump around the story a little bit. So most of the film again is him in his apartment trying to figure out what this villain's doing. That's most of the film. <laughs> and sometimes, yeah. and he kind of strikes up with a friendship with Samantha who comes over and they talk about the occult stuff a little bit. He's got scrolls. He's got orbs. They're kind of looking at, she doesn't really know his magic. She knows a little bit, I guess. It's a little uncertain how much she knows. Like, mm-hmm. well, And so what is her job? She works with the police department. Yep. Almost, It almost feels like she gives the, she like helps them translate things. As one of the cops describes her later in the movie, she said, he says, Hunt, you're queen of the freak squad. <laughs> so so seemingly she is queen of the freak squad. Her role is extremely specific. It's um, part of my job. I'm a special consultant to the NYPD involving cults and Satanism, mostly on homicide cases. So you are a policewoman. Well, not exactly. 
and also the cop, the, like the main cop that she like reports Tony or, or talks to, is like so. <laughs> yeah, I love like how over the top shitty they made him. Like instantly, like he's just always chewing gum, which is real up there as far as like putting me, <laughs> uh, putting him on like my shit list. Yeah, we get a yeah. little bit. We get a few scenes that kind of flesh out her job. She's apparently a special consultant to the NYPD involving cults and Satanism. That's her title. Yeah, it's so specific. But it's a real job. And she's paired with this guy, Tony, who's like this real deal cop. And all he does is like disparage her work, misinterpret her work, (laughs) and hit on her. Ask her out to date. And sexually harass her. (laughs) Why are you making this tough, huh? Why don't you let me show you the city's appreciation? The mayor sends me a Christmas card every year. I could do better than that. Really? So why don't you talk to your chief about giving his special consultants a raise? I was thinking more about dinner. He calls her fun while, like, working, and that's just not... Yeah, and and I really, like, pushes... I mean, obviously makes her uncomfortable, obviously has been asking her out over and over again, despite her clear indication she's not, which is just so funny, like, that that's kind of the first scene you see her being very like intelligent and having this like knowledge, but then just having to deal with this creepy guy, which that also doesn't seem to really go anywhere. You kind of almost expect there to be like this comeuppance of that character. And well, and it's like, you mentioned earlier the, the one about the fire. Yeah. Where, where they're like, we're going to throw you in jail for reporting a false fire. Like those are cops that she knows. I want to see you at the station. It's Miss Hunt, right? That's right. Overworked and underpaid by the 10th precinct, just like you guys. I just want to make sure I got the name right. Calling in a false alarms against the law lady. You'll be hearing from us. Like, every cop seems to hate her, even yeah. though they're co-workers. <laughs> and she's helped break important cases. Yeah. Like well, Poor lady. Well, let's let's talk about what leads to the fire. So, Jeffrey Combs watching TV. He, he, sees, the word plan- <laughs> he sees the word platinum on TV. He goes, platinum. So then he's like, oh, shit, I got to ask the eyeballs about the platinum. <laughs> so there's a long scene <laughs> He walks up to an orb. And well, he touches, touches is this the one where he says to monitor contact me? Like yeah. he just says it as almost like he's he's like paging the monitor. Monitor. Contact me. It's so funny to me that that is what he has to do. He's like, oh, I need to talk to him. But yeah. he just says out loud, monitor, contact me. Yeah. And then he's in space. He touches an orb. Then we're back in space again. He's talking to the eyeballs again. We don't really learn anything new. Oh no, the, the eyeball says, Oh, you you should go check this out. That's right. The, the floating rock. Yeah. Yeah. So it's then, kind of like confirms, oh, floating rock, yeah. Yeah, that things have, have come together. The first and second signs have come to pass. Great quantities of basic alchemic elements have been stolen at the times and places predicted. What does this tell you, Audrey? That the Death's Head has escaped. This is so. But how? You must cross over. The eyeball seems to know more than it's telling Mordred, which doesn't make a lot of sense. I understand why the eyeballs can't do this themselves. Yeah. (laughs) They seem pretty, I don't know, like the bigwig. Yeah. Well, so she smells the smoke and it's strong enough that she is convinced that the uh, fire has broken out. And it is just the smoke that has opened up of him passing through yeah 
Like, so every time he does this, does it give off the scent of burning building? <laughs> like, it's really just, strangely. Yeah, like, and like his well, books go on fire yeah. and stuff. It's like, dude, you have all this stuff in there. Like, and your poor raven. Is it going to, like, the poor raven going to be okay? Yeah, there's a shot when he goes to the portal where you actually see, like, all the books in his apartment catching fire. You actually see yeah. them all yeah. catching fire. Um, and that's what leads to the fire scene later on. But, but we'll get to that in a minute because right. the eyeball okay. tells the eyeball tells him to check out check out the prison or whatever. So then he teleports to like the only fantasy location of the film, which there's this cool little miniature of this like floating oh, space prison. Ass. I love it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah more of that would have been. It's like a stone castle. It's floating in space, and it's pretty cool. Yeah, it's a neat, it's a neat little miniature. And I love the dude on it. What's yeah, Cutter. Cutter. So okay. he he steps. Oh. He told us about Cutter. Oh jeez. All right. Well, it's like just a like a fantasy guy in like chainmail for some reason with a grenade launcher. No, I thought it was like it almost looks like a shotgun, but it shoots lasers. Yeah, yeah, it's like a laser gun, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah which is pretty kick-ass. So yeah, um, Je- and his eyeballs are missing. His eyeballs yeah. are burned out. <laughs> <laughs> so Jeffrey Combs <laughs> arrives in this prison, and he meets Cutters. Like, yeah, this big Scottish bald guy. Not bald. He's bearded Scottish-looking guy. His eyes are gone, and he's like, "Yeah, the bad guy escaped, and he melted my eyes." The last thing I saw was a firestorm he conjured up. It would have been kinder to kill me. Instead, he melted my eyes from their sockets, left me here as an example of what a cosmic son of a bitch he is. And then Jeffrey Combs heals him. He heals his eyes with his touch. <sighs> There's nothing left here for me to give you. Thank you, isn't good enough. Besides, you can't stand guard if you can't see. Well, he can do that. Yeah. Yeah. This is the part where, where Combs was not sure he was going to be able to get there. You must cross over. You know my ability is limited, Monitor. And then he gets there and he heals them seemingly with no problem. I'm powerful too. It's great that they, it just feels like a cap where they're just like, well, he can do this, but like. He really has to try, and he's not sure he's going to be able to. Oh, he did it, but like he can't do that like again because that would be crazy. <laughs> mm-hmm. it's, it's probably so it's probably a ten minute scene, but really all that happens is the guy says that the bad guy escaped. That was a prison where the bad guy's being held. He escaped, mm-hmm. and then Jeffrey Combs heals him. And Jeffrey Combs leaves. He doesn't really learn anything. He's just like, oh yeah, sure enough. The, just as I knew, the bad guy is back. He just keeps. Well, that's all he learned. There is like a great there. I I honestly in my head picture it as like a subway grate that's full of demons, right? Like behind it. Yeah, it's like the that's like the door to the fourth dimension, right? Yeah. So just like a subway grate. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's this little round manhole thing. Yeah. 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 Later on, I guess you find out that yeah, this is what the bad guy's trying to open, but you don't really understand that at first. Yeah. 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 There's like some yeah, some claymation monsters behind it, but they're <laughs> hidden for now. You know, talking about it now, I think one of the problems of the movie is that Jeffrey Combs, like all he does is learn the same information again and again. There's like 15 scenes where yeah. he learns, oh, the bad guy's coming back soon. And this is yet another one of those scenes. Like he already knows a bad guy's escaped. He knows a bad guy is, he's trying to open the fourth dimension. He goes to this prison and he learns, oh yeah, the bad guy escaped the prison. He already knew this. <laughs> and like, he's yeah. learning yeah. this. Well, this. and he's kind of just catching up on things that have already happened. Like he's not doing anything to actually try and stop it. Exactly. And there's never an opportunity for him to like, kind of be proactive. He's very much just on the trail of 
figuring out what has already occurred, which is not the most exciting necessarily in terms of like plot. What does this tell you, Mordred? That the death's head has escaped. This is so. But how? Yeah. And like screenwriter wise, they talk about like a ticking clock where it's like the ticking clock is that he is going to get the stuff to do his alchemist thing so he can open the fourth dimension and let his like demon demon babies loose into our dimension. But there's never there never feels to be any urgency because he's not getting new information. He's not learning stuff that's pushing him on the journey. People are just telling him, like, it's going to happen. Yeah, now it's getting it's going to happen. And he's like, I know. I thought the same thing where the film would feel a lot better if they said like, oh, by the third full moon, it'll happen. So that way there's some yeah. sort of yeah. sense of timing. Yeah. But there's kind of, there is none of that. That's fine. I mean, he even looks at like some scrolls in his apartment and like checks something as if like he's checking the prophecy. And it would be nice if like it explains something. He even opens a watch for a second while like looking <laughs> at those scrolls and he's like, oh, not much time left or something about like time. And it's yeah. like, what do you mean? <laughs> Yeah, leave your apartment. And yeah. then like, I think as a, as a movie, like give the audience visual clues yeah. so that we can see something and be like, oh, there's less time or the moon's getting fuller or, you know, something like that to help push our urgency along too. Yeah, because it even would have made sense that he's trying to stop this prophecy, but he the timing is slightly off. So he's getting there right after it's happened. Like there could have been these things where he's actively working, but as is, it's very, he's very just kind of like, Oh, and I love that it's like literally, oh, the news said platinum. Therefore, I'm going to write it down yeah. in my notebook. Like, yeah. what? Like anytime he hears the word platinum, he's like, platinum. Platinum. <laughs> platinum. <laughs> Actually, the, the, the watch remind me, I took a screenshot of his little pocket watch and I'm sending it to you guys in Hangouts right now. In his little pocket watch, it's him and like another lady. And... <laughs> I mean, it's obviously from like a long time ago, but like they never talk on this. So it's, yeah. I guess it's just saying like, oh, oh yeah. he had like this lady friend long ago. And is that like of- another tenant he was trying to like, get with? <laughs> like another- in Victorian times? <laughs> yeah. And they're both dressed like Edgar Allan Poe, which kind of fits in. They are. Speaking of, that's something we should mention is just the costuming where it's, Jeffrey Combs just yeah. constantly swaddled in soft cloth the entire film. It's <laughs> yeah. like, like when he's at home, yeah. he's, when he's at home, he's in these golden robes. It looks so comfortable. Well, he's got, it looks so, yeah, comfortable. so comfortable. And then when he's, yeah, and his, then he's got his business robes, yeah. the blue ones. When he's, yeah. In, yeah. When he's in superhero mode, he has like a Smurf blue shirt, Smurf blue pants, Smurf blue cape, but blue head to toe. Yeah, yeah. And perfect like- for slow motion walking through yeah. fog. Oh, that's the other thing I meant to talk about in the Rio scene. The use of slow motion when the jeep oh, yeah. comes up, it's all in slow motion, <laughs> and you just get the sense that they needed to pad the runtime. They're like, yeah. "Where can we look where we can just slow it down?" And <laughs> like, yeah. when can Jeffrey be walking through fog with a cape, just real slow and set? And it's like. We know what you're doing. Yeah, of course, and of course, it's not the real slow, slow motion. It's the it's the jittery slow motion that happens when you just slow yeah. down. But that's that's fine. So I think let's jump forward a little bit. So I know at this rate, like we'll talk about it longer than the movie. It'll be longer. <laughs> Almost there already. But um, so yeah, as we mentioned, when he goes to the portal, it lights all of his books on fire for some reason. Samantha touches his doorknob and sees the doorknob is hot, so she calls the fire department. 
the fire department's just, they come in, they're about to kick down his door. Then Jeffrey Combs opens up the door right before they ax the door down. And Jeffrey Combs like, what's, uh, what's all this? Well, this young lady called in an alarm. There's no fire. What? I thought you were burning up in there. No, no, I'm fine, as you can see. Everything's fine. There's a few cops with the firemen, and they're like, Samantha, right? You work at the station, right? Well, you're going to go to prison because it's a crime to to put in a false alarm, which is crazy because she smelled smoke and she felt heat. Yeah. And they're gonna yeah. Go to prison She's being course. very responsible. <laughs> yeah. Why is that such a threat in this movie? I you don't know, get it. I really think fire stations have a better safe than sorry mentality. Yeah. That's <laughs> Now we actually see the bad guy do something. He's trying to open the fourth dimension. We're introduced to these two cultists, these two Satanist cultists who are these kind of, I call them like the, the R-rated characters because one thing about this film is this film would be PG, not even PG-13. This yeah. would be a PG film, except for these two characters who say fuck a little bit and they swear a little bit. Babe, did you really speak to him or are you just are you bullshitting? The dude spoke to me. Oh, it's going to be fucking great. Cabal could have picked anybody in the world to help him and he picked us. It's a real honor, babe. Like meeting Jagger backstage. <laughs> I don't know if they have na- they might have names, but it's one guy and one girl. They look like punk rockers. They mentioned that they were cast out of heaven. So there's a little biblical thing to this too. They're like, which is so strange. Oh, you mean like Combs and Brian Thompson? No, no, the two punk rock Satanists. They were cast out of heaven? Yeah. The house of worship in ruins. Very appropriate, Adrian. Hey, we were cast out of heaven, right? That we were. What? Yeah. I f- well, I feel like it was like a either they were I almost like this yeah like metaphor for like humanity you know it's like we were cast oh. out of God's graces so screw him we're willing to work with the evil guy. That's I really couldn't tell. I was like, are they fallen angels or are they just dramatic? I think they were just dramatic, and I think they're just dramatic. Yeah, that's much better actually. <laughs> no, that's what I thought. Too. I, I feel like I was similar to that in my teen years, so I like <laughs> identified a little bit <laughs> with them. And I okay, I might be mixing this up, but I feel like they even mention like that he doesn't need to do the mind control on them, or maybe it's the guy says it later, like because they are they're fully on. He's board. like, I'm willing, man. Yeah, yeah, like just tell me what, what to do. I love that. But, I'll do it, man. So they're gonna help. They're gonna help Brian Thompson's Cabal character do his task. So Cabal just teleports into their room because we can't have a scene of someone going somewhere. Everything happens via teleportation. Nobody uses doors. No. And he just kind of. They're just like we pledge allegiance to you. And and then yeah. later on, the next time we see them, which is not very far, it's almost the next scene. I think uh, the woman Satanist is topless, and it seems like you know, like Cabal is going to like you know, have sex with her and fulfill some prophecy. Of all the women you could have had. And you chose me. Yes, I chose you. But instead, he just kind of like touches her head and she screams. Well, and like, why was Cabal topless in that scene? I feel like yeah. that was like kind of misleading. That, that's what like alluded to the sex part. Like he's half yeah. naked just for kicks. And he does grope her a lot for yeah. someone who is just going to put, he brands her with his ring. Which, oh, I forgot about that. Yeah. Well, and then later they refer to her, her as a runaway who has been drained of blood. Hey, Hans, 
Good point in the freak squad. What do you make of these? Dead woman. Dead runaway. Completely drained of blood. Her folks filed an MJ report on her six months ago. But they never explain, like, why... Where did her blood go? Did he drink it or did he use there, it? There's numerous references to him drinking blood. Like, Cabal at some point to Mordred is like, I'm going to drink your blood and eat your flesh. That's yeah. cool. Like, that's just what he, he's into, I guess. I mean, maybe it's an alchemist thing or maybe he's just like really into it. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Before this is over, I'll drink your blood and feed on your flesh and it will taste sweet. Everybody's got their thing. At the end of the film, Cabal. (laughs) Sorry. At the end of the film, Cabal does open up. He tries to open the portal. But this thing where he like has the naked lady and he brands her. This is the last thing we see. This is like the last task we see him do to accomplish that goal. After this, yeah. After this, Cabal just kind of like doesn't do anything until he just appears at the end of the film, ready to open the portal. No, he helps the the guy create the guy punk. Oh yeah, but that but that's not even doing. We'll get to that later. (laughs) Okay. So sorry. Well, so far, so it's like platinum, and then it's what? destroying what? a naked lady, like and, our, and diamonds, and he needs diamonds. diamonds, lots of diamonds. They, and they they procure, or I guess Cabal actually procures them, but like a billion dollars worth of diamonds, yeah, yeah. No, just like cases of diamonds. He's yeah. just running his hands through them. It's like the same scene. He just has like a big chest full of diamonds, and he's just like, "Look what I can make!" Diamonds. The wonders I can create from this primitive earth. One one of my favorite, just as a side note, one of my favorite parts of that scene is when he first goes in to meet the punks and it's like this like decrepit church with all these candles and he's like, nice, nice decorations. I like the (laughs) blasphemy. And you're like, what? (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Yeah. I think immediately after the scene, we get back to Jeffrey Combs in his apartment. And this is the famous (laughs) Crystals of Endor scene that you were referencing before. Oh yeah. So we see Jeffrey Combs and he has, forget. Yeah, he's got this box full of these glass knives and he's kind of slowly pushing them into his stomach with both hands. And as they enter his stomach, they kind of turn into light. We don't know what the hell he's doing. Um, yeah. And then immediately after Brian Thompson like yep. pops into his apartment. So like I thought when, the first time we watched this movie, I thought the glass daggers were like summoning him. Cause like, as soon as he pops, like, 100%. Him, yeah. like Brian Thompson's there. So uh, yeah so but yeah he pushes the daggers in brian thompson teleports in and then brian thompson's like oh the crystals of endor it'll take more than that to stop me the crystals of endor it will take more than that yeah it was only like after watching it for a second time i realized like stick him putting it into his chest like let him like shoot it out later yeah I don't mm-hmm. know. Yeah. It's not very clear. Yeah. <laughs> when Brian Thompson teleports into his apartment, yeah, like Dr. Mordred holds out a hand and like one of the daggers kind of like magically shoots from his hand and it looks like a magic missile kind of. And that's the only time you see Dr. Mordred attack anything in the film. That's the only. No, no, no. Yeah. No, that's it. When he like astral projects to the that's not attacking. museum. We'll get to that later. He does like a little zappy thing. <laughs> does he do a zappy Oh, he does thing? do a zappy thing. Well, that kind of ties in what I was thinking. I, like uh, upon a second watch of this film, it kind of reiterated how good Combs is in these things where oh, removed of special effects, like he really sells yeah. stabbing himself in the stomach with a glass knife. You know, yeah. it's like a tight close up on his face as he's shoving it in. And you're like, I believe it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I believe it. 
this is this is another scene where he learns the same fact again, where he's like, you know, Brian Thompson appears is like, I'm gonna open the fourth dimension. And Combs is like, No, I'm gonna stop you. <laughs> so and then he then he teleports, he basically teleports away, and that's essentially it. So <laughs> when Cabal teleports into Jeffrey Combs' apartment, Cabal's like, Why don't you use some of your legendary powers against me now? You've had over a hundred Earth years to prepare for this. Why don't you use some of your legendary powers against me now? And when you're watching the film, it's like, yes, use your legendary powers. <laughs> yeah, this would be a great yeah. scene for just a full out fight. Like, let's see what they both can do. Let's see how they and no. So, yeah, because it I 100 percent thought that the crystals of Endor were, were a summoning yeah. or to trap him yeah. something. But it yeah. it it's not really explained why he sh- if he's able to just show up in his apartment. Why does why not? Why? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think Cabal has like astral projected into his apartment, so he's not really there. They they say okay. they, mm. they say a line where Jeffrey Combs is like, I can also astral project or something. So mm. <laughs> I can transport my spirit as well. But um it, the rules are so crazy though, because like Jeffrey Combs astral projects to the museum later on and is able to do like spells no. and stuff. Yeah, so I don't know. I could bother so, to spell him. Yeah. 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 So, <laughs> <laughs> or like, why isn't yeah. Cabal like possess like I don't know stuff in his apartment or like fuck shit up? Yeah. Even just to adopt yeah. homes, like if he can't, I don't know. Well, like do something to Edgar Allan, like oh yeah, mess with his crow, uh, mess with his raven. That would really upset him. It's true. That would really upset us all. I feel like we're better villains than actual <laughs> Cabal. I don't know alchemy, but. That's true. Yeah. 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 So the next big plot arc, which pretty much takes the rest of the movie, is um Samantha. I guess you don't really see it that much, but you find out that her police department is like investigating the death of the cultist lady that we saw Cabal kill. And yeah, as you said, like Cabal has branded her with his ring. And so Samantha just tells Tony, her partner, like, oh, my neighbor knows a lot about occult stuff. His name is Dr. Morgan. Ooh. You should ask him because he might be able to identify this ring, whatever this means. I was talking about the mark on her face. The killer made it with his ring. What do you think? I thought maybe it was some kind of a letter from a foreign alphabet. No, it was especially designed. Look, I know someone who's a real authority on this sort of stuff. I mean, he's kind of a recluse, but I'm sure he'd be glad to help us. And again, to hammer on the theme of prison, like instead of asking him questions, just like Tony just arrests Dr. Mordred. He's like, just goes yeah. and immediately arrests him. Anton Mordred, open up. This is the police. You don't know what you're doing. You are making a big mistake. What the hell's going on here? Questioning your neighbor on suspicion of homicide. What? I'm afraid they won't listen to me, Miss Hunt. They'll listen to you all you want in the interrogation room. And for the rest of the film, he's convinced that Dr. Mordred killed this woman for literally no oh, reason. Yeah, and he's just being... It's yeah. he, saw, he saw a symbol that was on the dead body, and that's it. Like, yeah. to New York City cops, yeah. that's it. Yeah. It's like, Samantha told him that Dr. Mordred knows a lot about the occult. So then, this for the rest of the film, he's convinced that Dr. Mordred killed this woman. <laughs> like convinced, and he never lets up, ever. He did not kill that girl, Tony. Then he's an accomplice, or it's a cult thing. He's connected to it somehow. Oh, you, are you telling me you're holding him on a murder charge? Hey, don't get pissed off. I'm going to put in a good word with you, with the captain. This was a good lead. Well, and that's, so that is also like the, the they have that conversation earlier 
because she went to Mordred's speech on where he's talking about the Zodiac killer and the occult and serial killers. But so he is established as somebody who gives speech. I mean, he, he had a full yeah. room for that speech. He was telling jokes. Everyone's laughing like he's it's so great because they treat him as if sometimes as if he's this really like he doesn't leave the apartment. He's this weirdo that nobody knows who he is. Yeah. He doesn't have a, a, you know, a footprint because he's been there for so long. But then he's also seemingly pretty well established in kind of the scholarly community. Yeah. And you would think that if, if she's going to this, that the cops would have some idea. But yeah, it's it's yeah. really this is the guy. He he yeah. killed a runaway, branded her, and drained her of blood. Obviously, it's it's Mordred. Obviously, yeah. obviously. So most of the rest of the movie is Doctor Mordred's in prison. He's being held in this little room. Samantha, of course, is there, and she's like trying to help him a little bit. There's a scene where like she talks to him. He gives the backstory. You find out that he and Cabal were students at the same intergalactic school and then cabal turned evil he turned good but while one focused on assuming his place as a great sorcerer and command the worlds of light with understanding and beneficence cabal the other student the ambitious one found a home with the children of belial his goal was to control the powers of darkness and one day enslave mankind and that's pretty much all you get. It's like, they're both sorcerers. Cabal turned bad. Jeffrey Combs is good. And Jeffrey Combs explains a little more clearly that what Cabal's goal is. He says, he will literally rip a hole into the fourth dimension and release the demons. And he says, I like this line. He says, it would be beyond the apocalypse. <laughs> he will literally rip a hole into the fourth dimension and release the demons who are trapped there onto your world. Let them feed. <laughs> beyond the apocalypse and i love that because <laughs> he, he says so he's cabal has been in prison for 150 years he 150 says. earth years oh earth years oh. so we don't know he says that cabal escaped to come to earth to reduce it to an ash heap and he's gonna release the demon so they can feed mm. what <laughs> like why and if he knows this why hasn't this come up like why hasn't yeah yeah <laughs> That, I mean, that part, that whole part with the, the police scene, because the way he transfers this information to her is he like grabs her head. Oh, yeah. And oh, just yeah. like, like, I don't know, telepathically shows her this story that just grinds the movie to a halt. It's <laughs> yeah. so boring. The boys competed in everything. Sometimes one would win. Sometimes the other. So There's a scene hard. with the boys where they're just like sitting there doing nothing like i wish they had just like made combs like dress combs up like a boy yeah and dress giant brian thompson as a boy and have them act it out because the kids acting had no yeah. charisma well, was, and also they're yeah. like the kids are supposed to be like learning magic and all they do is like make a book float i think like show some yeah. magic happening well i, I think like yeah. the book burns because like cabal is using bad magic and burning the book or something <laughs> like let's see some sparks and stuff like i they're just sitting. I love it. Yeah, because so most of the film, when you expect Dr. Mordred to be doing things, he's kind of in his apartment, just kind of staring into space. He's just like literally just like holding a book, staring off or like he's staring. And then during this flashback, it's just two boys sitting on the floor. Just and They're just staring blankly forward. And it's 
Why must everything? Well, you also forgot that Mordred takes off. I love when he takes off his handcuffs as if to be like, I don't, nothing can hold me. But then also like, I, it's with all of the, I know you're going to get to it, but with like all of the magical abilities he has, they escape by literally like causing a disturbance and just running. Like it's so great. Yeah. Yeah. Also, he's supposed to be so powerful and he lets himself get captured and I don't know. Like get stuck in that shitty position. Like how, how did he let that happen? And the the thing that raises the stakes in this film is that the cops took away his little necklace. And then he mentions that like, without my necklace, I'm, I can die like I'm mortal or something. So oh, that's, that's right. Like, mm-hmm. So he needs to get Samantha to help him get his necklace back. The necklace is just in some lab in the police department. A lot seems to ride on the <laughs> necklace. It's kind of like sad that like seemingly all of his powers are in this necklace. Yeah. But now yeah. Yeah. Is, Dr. Mordor's starting to panic. He's like, there's not much time left. Ryan Thompson is going to open the dimension and I'm stuck here in prison. And, you know, he hasn't done anything to prevent this, but still he's now he's getting upset. You know, he's getting nervous. <laughs> then there's a scene where we see Cabal with the cultists again. Actually, just the guy is left because he already killed killed the lady already. Yeah. Yeah. And he pours some liquid on him or something and makes him he says like For the next twelve hours, no physical harm can come to you. <laughs> well fucking A. Twelve hours. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's leading up to the single best scene in oh, the yeah. movie. Yeah. Well, he in t- my mind. Well, he, he tells a guy, he says, like, oh, Dr. Mordred's been arrested. So then, like, it's presumed that this cultist, this, like, punk rock cultist is going to go to the prison to, you know, kill Jeffrey Combs or something. But uh, do you want to say how, how he how he goes about this task? <laughs> oh, in, in, in the greatest way. They, yeah. He's he's randomly dancing, yeah. like, screaming, like, singing songs until a cop pulls up. Hey, officer. Yeah. He, uh, he's like, how's it going, dude? <laughs> and like, just provokes this cop to the point that the cop shoots him. Yeah. It does nothing because he's, inv- he's uh, invincible for 12 hours. But yeah, he's like clutching a Molotov cocktail. There's, there's a, a few F-bombs dropped. It's yeah. like, it's helping the R rating. Yeah. He like said, the, the energy and of that scene. Is just, it, it really does, like, I, when we had it on in the background, that was the, that was the part, like, I turned around just to be like, wait, what's, co-? like, it immediately got my attention. Well, I watched that yeah. whole scene. It's the setting is what makes it funny because he's on some train platform <laughs> in broad daylight, yeah, all by himself, yeah. and he's kind of like dancing and doing this drunken dance. He's having a good time in broad daylight on this little yeah. So he throws a mouth of cocktail at the cop car. Actually, explodes a cop car. <laughs> they actually blow up a car. It's pretty yeah, cool. It's no, like the, uh, the was farting on that. And then after blowing up the cop car, he says. All right, you've had your fun now, motherfucker. Go ahead. Arrest me. <laughs> Go ahead, arrest me. Then he just gets arrested and he goes to prison where Jeffrey Combs is. And then there's a really funny scene too where there's a scene where you see Dr. Mordred like in the hallway. He's in handcuffs and he's being like escorted by a police officer. And then, you know, this punk guy comes in 
and they're face to face briefly, you know. And Tony's talking about Dr. Mordred, and Tony says, like, I'm charging this guy for withholding evidence, which I guess is his way of saying, like, I'm throwing him in prison for not admitting that he killed, I don't know, he's still stuck in it. <laughs> oh, yeah. So then the punk rock guy comes in, uh, and Tony has a great line. What is this, Night of the Living Wackos? He goes, what is this, Night of the Living Wackos? Hey. <laughs> <laughs> so stupid. And in response, the punk guy goes, Cabal rules, baby. Cabal rules, baby. Shut up. <laughs> Which I love. <laughs> awesome. So here's the thing. The Satanist punk rock guy, like he's in prison to kill Dr. Mordred, I assume, or stop Dr. Mordred. In this scene, they're yeah. just like face to literally they're face to face in the hallway. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then the cops just like kind of, they just get dragged in different directions by their respective cops and that's it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like, what's it's happening? Got accomplished. Yeah. There's no, there's yeah, no, I mean, no. the punk guy has been made invincible. invincible. Like, there invincible. is nothing anybody could do in this moment. He could wrestle a gun away. Yeah. He, there's, he literally, and he's just, it's like he forgot what he was doing and he's just all hyped up on like, well, the whole thing, it was, it's neat. Cabal needed to be like, just go to the police station. Yeah. You don't have to go to this random train. Train yeah. depot to get arrested to get taken yeah. to the police just like walk into the police station yeah. screaming bloody murder get shot take a gun and shoot mordred yeah. he's yeah. mortal yeah. You, you could have a cool a yeah you could have a terminator cell scene where he just walks in everyone's shooting at him yeah. just like glance you know the bullets aren't affecting him he's just kind of walking right through it but instead yeah he just gets arrested the cops are about <sighs> <laughs> so <laughs> a cop is about to throw him in a cell and then right before he gets thrown in the cell he just kind of turns around and punches the cop and that's how like the Satanist guy escapes being arrested. At the yeah. same time, Samantha has gotten Dr. Mordred's necklace back by using it on this poor lab technician who like he's drinking a smoothie and then she pushes the button on his necklace and like it makes him practically choke on to death in the smoothie. And it's actually kind of it's supposed to be funny, but it's very gruesome. No, it's like, oh no. Yeah. <laughs> like stressful. Well that poor guy too. He's like, you want to eat lunch with me? This is all I ever drink. That's it? That's all you're gonna have? That's all I ever have. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner, all in one. Yeah. yeah. Like he's like, this is all I ever drink and eat. But he's also like, it'll make you lose 20 pounds in a, a month. Yeah. Yeah. Or something like that's yeah. all you drink, you're just gonna die. You're just gonna <laughs> waste away and die. Well, yeah. it, is, it is another one of those details where, like, the script gives so much focus or little quirks to these side characters. Like, why does he have to drink a smoothie? And why does he need to talk about needing to lose weight? Like, why is that an important part yeah. of this? But the, the script has time to, like, fit that in. He's just like... And then, yeah, and then he almost chokes on it. And it's <laughs> just feels so... So sad. Yeah. He, um, it is when he find out that the necklace can pause time for 30 seconds or something, apparently. Yeah, because like she pushes the button when he's drinking, and then it pauses time. Which still, the fluid is coming out of the cup and running down his. <laughs> like he's. Yeah, it, it doesn't even really pause time. It like pauses him. Yeah, but time's still going. Yeah. So. Yeah, we're getting there. Yeah. So basically, like she takes the necklace back to Doctor Mordred. They just push the button a few times, you know, which pauses time each time they push the button, and they just basically run down the sidewalk. They just run away. <laughs> Like no yeah. magic, just running from the cops well, who are like shooting at them. Conjures like a fake gun to like seem like he's kidnapping yeah. her because oh, he yeah. wanted it to seem like she wasn't like in on it. He's like, I did it to like make sure you're you're not like you know wrapped up in all this. Um, but it was just like a fake mystery gun. I don't know. 
Yeah. That's another one of my favorite where the alarm's going off and one of when somebody says, What's that noise? And someone I think another one of the cop responds, What's the noise? It's the fuck you buzzer. Shut up. It's the fuck you buzzer. Shut up. (laughs) (laughs) There's a that's the great thing about this movie is like it's 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 really most of it is really dull. But then they're just they're, it's so short and there's just like 10 points that are just so funny and strange oh, and it's just like uh, yeah and, exp- and that's that's a great i forgot about that line no that's so good so <laughs> so dr mordred seems to know that cabal needs to go to the cosmopolitan museum to finish it oh. <laughs> and yeah because it's new york the <laughs> famous new york <laughs> cosmopolitan museum but, this is a great scene of like Dr. Mordred being ineffectual because like they run from the police station. There's a park nearby, so they run to the park. And well, Dr- they specifically yeah. say Central Park, and they have oh, Central Park one like shot of actual Central Park, but then it cuts to something that was probably not. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I love I love this though because like I guess Cabal is doing something at the Cosmopolitan Museum, which is in the same city, and Dr. Mordred is just like powerless. He looks at Samantha, is like. With this, tra- with the traffic this time of day, like it'd take an hour to get down there. Now, Cabal has to get to the Philosopher's Stone. Last piece he needs. Okay. But it's in the Cosmopolitan Museum on the other side of town. That's going to take an hour in this traffic. Yeah. And he's just like, oh, man. <laughs> it's like the only reason he astro projects is because of like the traffic, like afternoon traffic in Manhattan. I love it. It's so good. <laughs> Yeah. Well, that's one of those. It feels like someone's like, "Well, why wouldn't he just project?" And they're like already filming, and they're just like, "Oh, um, traffic." That's gonna take an hour in this traffic. Yeah. Have him say a line about the traffic, because like, and I feel like it, they really miss like the astral projection. I get, you know, because it sets up that final showdown. But there would have been something great of him like just getting in a taxi, using some magic to make a taxi driver, like drive a hundred miles an hour, like zipping through the streets, you know? Yeah. I feel like it's just like- Fire or something. I don't know. Something magical. Yeah. yeah. It's magical. Yeah. yeah. But instead of magic, he just, so he talks about the traffic, then he just turns to Samantha and he's like, I'm going to astral project there. So he just lays down like spread eagle on the grass. He just lays in his back. <laughs> I'm going to leave my body, Sam. What? I'm going to leave my body in a trans-like state and transport my form to where he is. I need you to guard over my body. And he just lays in the park projecting a spirit into the museum. And that, that saves him from having to film the scene where he actually travels to the museum. because yeah. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Their smoke machine was all out of smoke. They just didn't have time. But it also completely takes her, like, that's, it takes her out of it. Like, yeah. she's been this character who's there trying to help solve it, trying to, and then it's she so literally passive. just has to sit there and watch his pass out body. I need you to guard over my body. Yeah. Which I don't understand. How do you tell if he's dead or like not dead? <laughs> he's just <laughs> la- laying there like comatose. Like, yeah. I'd be like, are you dead? Yeah. Also, they could have found like a better spot. Like, that's I know. just like. <laughs> <laughs> and there's a tree there but like otherwise like dude like yeah. there's places in central park you can find a better like yeah. you know go like a bathroom spot or something yeah they yeah. Yeah. i don't know they they play the scene as if you found some secluded spot but really he's just like next to a tree just laying down just again yeah. just on his back all spread eagle just arms out legs out if they had done it on a rowboat on the pond yeah that would have been better yeah he just like passes out on the boat 
Well, and as we're going to see, the punk finds them very easily. Yeah. <laughs> very, very easily. In all of Central Park. All, yeah. However many hundred acres it is. <laughs> yeah, it's true. But at least it gives Samantha something to do. She like kind of holds him off until, you know, Combs comes back. Yeah. But before yeah, the punk finds him, we cut to the museum. We see it's like this little rotunda with a bunch of dinosaur skeletons. It looks, it's, it's not a bad set. Actually, I heard those are all, I think all those are green screened in. It's a pretty good effect, actually. It's a, uh, it's a we, it wa- is, we, watched, yeah. we watched like a very short making of. Yeah. <laughs> they made a making of. I, yeah. Well, like the one I saw, there might be others, but there's it's one. on YouTube. Yeah. yeah. There's one that's like five minutes. And my favorite part is that it starts off saying like this amazing line about the movie. It says a prescription for movie magic written by Dr. Marjorie. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no. And to be fair, the, the stop motion is great. The, yeah. the scene is, is great. No, it's true. Don't get ahead of yourself. We got to build up to it. Sorry, Sorry. you're right. You're right. (laughs) So, so Brian Thompson, as he arrives at the museum, apparently he's ready to open this fourth dimensional gate. The last, again, the last thing we saw him do was kill that woman like early in the film, but apparently he's ready to do it. Like now he's ready to do it for some reason. He's going to do it. Yeah. Yeah. And this would be another good ticking clock of like, why now? Like why hasn't he attempted this before? No, no indication. So he's like, he has, I guess, blood and diamonds and platinum. And he's got one line. Is he's combining them and he's like, the blood of the something, the philosopher's stone. And he goes, platinum, the sister of gold. <laughs> Which I <laughs> Well, he has timed it out perfectly where the traffic is really bad. So, you know. It's like right anyone, at closing time. Yeah. 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 So Dr. Mordred Astro projects into the room. He just kind of appears in the room like, chum, in a flash. Cabal tries to attack him and finds out that he's like basically like a ghost. He's like, you know, just his spirit. And yeah, yeah and once again, like Jeffrey Combs is a character. I, I won't say Jeffrey Combs. I'll say Dr. Mordred because Jeffrey Combs is doing a great job. It's really the script. Dr. Mordred is kind <laughs> yeah. of just like standing 60 feet from Cabal, just kind of staring in his direction, not really doing much, you know? But Wait, then- can we back up real quick too? Because one yeah. of the, there before this, before uh Mordred shows up is another one of my favorite secondary characters. Oh, the old lady, which is that kid that little that, kid that calls Kamal an asshole. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't even. So it's closing time. It's a mom and her kid. Cabal is there. I love. I love that the the guard very respectfully kind of tells him he needs to go. Yeah. And I I can't actually even remember right now like what precipitates it, but there is this kind of like tension and cabal's being his like weirdo self and it's just this kid yeah. i think he's like f you a-hole <laughs> yeah. no um so i remember cabal says like i remember them being bigger yeah the dinosaurs back then. Oh, yes, that's, that's, what it. Is. that's what it is and then like cabal just leaves and then the kid's just like oh you a fucking asshole well man they sure were giants i remember them being much bigger dickhead Cabal is really funny in this series of scenes because actually I skipped this but before he goes into the museum he just sits on a bench outside the museum for some reason and then this old lady sits next to him and Cabal turns to her and is like nice day might be the last one for a long long time beautiful day isn't it might be the last one for a long long time 
And the old lady just gives him this like disillusioned yeah. there, just like whatever. <laughs> you know? and uh, I think the first time we watched this, I expected that to be Mordred. I was like, maybe yeah. Mordred disguised himself as this old oh. lady and he's gonna pop out. But no. No. You just ruined that lady's day. That would have been cool. But then he goes in the museum. So then Dr. Mordred confronts Kabbalah in the museum. They shoot lightning back and forth a little bit. For some reason, it's not really effective. It's not working against Cabal. So Jeffrey Combs kind of just once again, just standing there staring. And Cabal animates a T-Rex skeleton. And we get some really cool, like, Harryhausen. Is that the right name? Is it Harryhausen? How do you say it? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Some, some cute claymation of, like, the T-Rex skeleton stomping around. It's killing. The T-Rex eats, like, three cops. And Dr. Mordred just yeah. watching it. Dr. Mordred just <laughs> watching it happen. Not he doesn't feel great about cops right now. He's like, you know what? Maybe we need to just yeah. cycle through yeah. these guys. <laughs> Again, yeah. Dr. Moore is just standing in one spot, just kind of watching with, you know, he looks distressed, but he's not doing anything to stop these cops from being eaten by this T-Rex. And the cops yeah. are really funny because it's almost like that scene from Austin Powers where just like the cop just fires three bullets at the T-Rex and then just kind of falls down. And then the T-Rex yeah. goes up to him. He's so much time to get away. But, yeah. And I, I love that. The the stop motion in that is really good, but it it is funny in that that scene where the cop is like shooting at the T Rex. You look at it, you're like the angles are so off. You know, the T Rex is coming from this angle, and the cops like at a different angle, like ah, <laughs> like just firing into the air. It, it's great. It's, great. I, it's one of the best part of like stop motion for me. Yeah, so, no, I get yeah. it. It's, it's charming. It's cute. Yeah, it's a good yeah. Thing. yeah. So what happens is you know, Cabal has animated this T Rex. Doctor Mordred animates like a giant woolly mammoth skeleton with these two big tusks. And then the mammoth and the T-Rex are fighting. And Dr. Mordred, he's just kind of standing there just watching the skeleton. Yeah. He was sent to Earth to prevent this, but I guess he's just going to stand there and just watch this happen as he lays in the park. <laughs> like, yeah. you know. um, he's doing his best. And then the T-Rex actually kind of like, it seems like the T-Rex is beating the mammoth and you see it like biting the mammoth. And then Cabal's like, I did it, I won. And then you find out that the mammoth actually is fine. The mammoth gores Cabal. You didn't win. And that's basically it. It's the end of the movie. <laughs> well, there's there's a little more. Yeah. I love that. That's like that. Yeah. That's all it it took. Like yeah. it's he's very easily defeated once once yeah. Mordred does anything. Yeah. <laughs> to kind of come back. Well, and it, I do feel like they kind of shot themselves in the foot earlier when Cabal like astral projects into. Mordred's house and he's like you know he doesn't do anything to him right and then in this one he's like you're astral projecting you can't attack me and he's like but I can do spells yeah. and like shoot some yeah. stuff at him yeah. he's like why didn't you do that earlier and, and like doesn't all that they do are spells anyway yeah like they don't Seemingly. touch each other so <laughs> what's the difference <laughs> yeah 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 yeah, so. Um, after so after this, we get the the punk finds his mortal body. Right, Samantha saves him, mm -hmm. and then Mordred's just right back there. There's some sparks and stuff, but I do love the like. Uh, I I totally missed the picture of kind of his past love 
And that could have been a great part of that storyline of like why he was conflicted about falling in love again. He still has this person that he's in love with. And then Samantha comes and he's not sure, but they really don't, they don't explore it at all. No, No. it feels like a lot was cut out, which again is weird because it's such a short. So like (laughs) if they cut anything out, like dang, it must've been bad or something. So there's one little shot when Cabal is doing his, when Cabal has almost finished his evil plans and is doing it, we actually cut back to the space prison briefly. And we actually can see the man, the little round manhole that leads, I guess, to hell. Oh, yeah. Is open. Yeah. <laughs> There's a really, really brief shot of like a few little cute claymation demons kind of starting to climb out. And we see Cutter again. We see him like shooting lasers at them. Um, yeah. Lasers from his like shotgun. Yeah. And that's kind of when you realize yeah. that. That's when you realize that that manhole is actually, I guess, what Cabal is trying to open. Right. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. And th- that was a weird scene, too, because it's like, it's open. The things are like, ah, like ready to come out. Mordred does his thing. The door closes and like seals. And then Cutter starts shooting like at the closed door. And then he's like, I did it. Yeah. <laughs> I did it. <laughs> like you didn't do anything. Yeah. It's supposed to be a joke, but I think it's kind of confusing. <laughs> yeah, no, it's totally yeah, it, was, it, it, it didn't it didn't lay it. <laughs> so yeah, so then Dr. Mordred just re-enters his body in the park. Uh yeah. he talks to Samantha. He's like, My work here is done, basically. <laughs> and I think oh, no, does he talk to the eyes again? Yeah, he talks to the eyes. He talks again. to the, the eyes, eyes, calls him back. Yeah, yeah. it's like, like you gotta come home or something. Ooh, yeah, because it's the eyes that say, like, oh, you revealed like way too much of yourself, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> You've done well, Mordred, but you must cross over now. Why? You have revealed too much to the mortals. Yeah. <laughs> like immediately to every what person you talk yeah. to. Yeah. Like, yeah, no, he gave his whole life story to the yeah. lady. The, the eyes are like, you didn't even try to keep this shit secret. What the hell? <laughs> <laughs> so, so then he talks to Samantha and he's like, he says, we're like, you can't come. I need to go. You can't come with me. I'm sorry. And he says, oh, watch Edgar Allen for me. Yeah. He's like, watch Edgar. And he kind of like, boo, he kind of teleports away and he's, yeah. he's gone. And then we see the punk come back and the punk is about to like kill Samantha, right? Oh, no, no, that's before this. It's before, before this? this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's before it because I think Mordred pops back into his body and then it's just like, time out. Doesn't he like freeze the punk yeah. like mid attack? Oh, you're attack? right. Yeah, he yeah. frees the punk mid attack because... Yeah. yeah, Samantha like stops him yeah. while like Combs is still passed out. Well, not passed out. But, but then yeah. what, what happens is Combs is gone and then Samantha's asshole partner comes back. Right. And that's yeah. when the punk unfreezes. Right. Right. And the yeah. punk's about, and the, he, the punk still thinks he's invincible. He thinks his 12 hours are still going. So he's like, Oh, look, dude, the master protects me from your puny weapons. You ain't got shit. Put it down. Put it down. Jesus Christ. And then he goes back. <laughs> and then he goes back to prison for the, so Wait, once again. But based yeah. on my understanding of the timing of this movie, he should still be invincible. Right? Like he turned invincible to... during the day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like now it's like, People are going home from work. Or maybe Cabell's dead, so the, the um, spell no longer is. That, no. Makes, that makes total sense. Yes. The, there's actually a scene outside. There's a scene outside the museum where Cabal says, like, sorry, now you're just like everyone else. Really? And, oh, oh, that's right. Cabal's just like, you didn't do yeah. a great job. That's enough that's stuff. Okay. Oh, yeah. And also, when Combs comes to, like, the lady's holding off the guy, and Combs is like, oh, his master is dead. Hmm. 
like it's mm. like saying yeah. like he doesn't have power mm-hmm. anymore. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So he, tells, sense. so he tells Samantha like, "Oh, you can't come with me." He goes back to his space land. Tony shows up. And Tony is still obsessed with arresting Dr. Mordred. He's still obsessed with it. And Tony's like, I'm going to find him, Sam. And then like, there's a strange moment where like Samantha's very respectful to him. She's like, you probably will, Tony. You're a dedicated cop. <laughs> yeah, what the fuck? She shouldn't be giving him any like sort of credit. It's or... really weird because she's like yeah. suddenly respectful. And also she knows that Do- Dr. Mordred is like in another dimension now. So I don't know if she's being sarcastic. If it's supposed to be sarcastic, but it doesn't come across as sarcastic, it comes across as yeah. endearing. It's strange. I think she's maybe like yeah. just trying to be like, like, yeah. eh, you'll find him. But like, she knows like, eh, you'll never fucking find him. Yeah. Like, good luck. And, now, mm-hmm. <laughs> and then we get to the baffling end scene where yeah. we flash forward <laughs> a little bit. It's Christmas. We hear like some, some stock Christmas MIDI music. It sounds like MIDI's. Mm-hmm. We see a few snowy scenes of New York. We see like some Christmas lights. And we see Samantha's in Dr. Mordred's apartment and she's just like reading a book. Um, she's just chilling in the apartment. I think that, I think the crow, oh, sorry, the Raven, sorry, the Raven cause. And then yeah. well, Dr. she's like, Oh, um, you know, I like your company Poe or Edgar or whatever, but I wish, you know, I had other company. Yeah. And then Dr. Mordred comes back. He teleports back in. He's like, he's like, hello. <laughs> <laughs> Merry Christmas. <laughs> and then, yeah, and he says a line is like, I'm here, I'm back for now. He goes, but wherever they send me, I'm going to need help. As if she'll be a sidekick, which is funny. Yeah. Well, you're here to stay for a while. You're going to vanish on me again. Well, wherever they send me, I'll need some help. Somebody I can trust. He said the exact opposite in the park, like yeah. in the previous scene. So- Sam, I have to leave. We'll go together. I'm going, you can't come. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> whatever happened off world. Well, and that that really does feel like Doctor Who. Like it feels like it's like setting up yeah. like yeah. this is me and my yeah. companion yeah. and we're gonna go and solve yeah. these mysteries or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> this really true. the whole thing feels like a pilot episode of a one hour TV show. Yes. And yeah. it would yeah. actually be a not terrible pilot episode of a one hour TV show. But like, you know, imagine seeing this in the theaters. That's really something. Because again, by this point, you're at like the one hour, four minute mark. <laughs> like, it's so short. Yeah. Um, it's so short. So then, yeah. So he says, like, oh, you can help me. But, but then he says, this is the final line of the movie. But first, we have to have a little egg dog. <laughs> watch our movie for the first time yeah and it's like what does that mean <laughs> our movie for the first time we need to have what some movie? eggnog and watch oh, our movie. is it getting meta are they gonna watch dr Mordred? <laughs> maybe <laughs> that could be that would make sense earlier she mentions watching it's a wonderful life for the hundredth time yeah that's right. oh right so like it, that can't be their movie yeah. Surely Mordred has seen It's a Wonderful Life. He's been alive for hundreds of uh, years. Yeah. I feel like the first thing they should do is like cash all of the rent checks that have been coming in. Because <laughs> who's been cashing the rent checks since he disappeared? Well, that's yeah. what I wonder. Like, is Sam living there rent free because she knows that Combs is gone? That's nice. Oh, I would not pay my rent. What? No. No He's going to... Yeah. Absolutely not. not. Or like if you write checks, like he's obviously not going to cash them. So you could still write. 
but like that's rent free. That's so although, but I mean, has he been cashing? Because wouldn't all of the tenants kind of think it was weird? Like, would tenants still be delivering checks? It, it is like the one part of the movie that is so unnecessary, and it just begs so many more questions. Yeah, like does he do repairs? Does he file like insurance things on the building? Like landlords yeah. have responsibilities right. in New York and everywhere. On the building, like he doesn't need to be a landlord. Right. Yeah. It's a lot of work being a landlord. And like, why doesn't he give this job to someone else? I don't know. There's a lot of questions. You're right. It's just so much. And ironically, I think we skipped over this in the conversation, but in the middle of the film, like Samantha's in his apartment and she sees like, oh, she sees a letter that's addressed from her. She's like, why do you have this? And she goes, oh, you're the landlord. And that's when you find out that he's the landlord. Yeah, which is- The movie doesn't seem to understand the difference between like a building owner and a landlord. Like he could own the building and have somebody else who, but he- does both only he doesn't seem to do any of the landlord well because in that scene that you just mentioned she's like are you gonna fish my di- fix my dishwasher we get somebody to come fix my garbage disposal it's oh, yeah. like did that ever get fixed <laughs> yeah. did he call someone or is he like hey it's no. dr mordred <laughs> no he would have to leave his apartment to fix a dishwasher and that's not gonna happen yeah he doesn't do that yeah like the way he would fix a dishwasher is like you tell him a dishwasher broken then he would just like read a book about it he'd read a scroll about it he'd like look at a map he would set the book on fire yeah. start a fire <laughs> but again in a normal film he would arrive he would come back and then they would like kiss at the end you know yeah, yeah, yeah. where's the kiss come but on. the way this film is he teleports in it's like a one shot of only jeffrey combs you can't see both characters and then it's like a yeah. one shot of samantha smiling you don't even see him in the same frame. It's so disconnected. <laughs> yeah. They don't yeah. even move towards each other. It just seems like they're on opposite ends of a room just staring at each other. Look, and that's, they love each other like very much. <laughs> yeah, they like really tried to be like, to not make them a couple. Yeah. And I don't understand. It would have been more interesting if there was any bit of tension there. well and they it wasn't necessary like they didn't have to make it a love like a love story they didn't yeah. have to be in a relationship at all they could have just kind of been like friendly yeah. with each other but it it really like it ramps up at the end and that the ending of her kind of like waiting like pining for him yeah and she's ready to like travel to interdimensional space with him before he leaves she's like oh, yeah. I'm with you wherever yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, you have a life lady like <laughs> and i think <laughs> And she says that, and the only magic she's seen him do is, the only magic she's seen firsthand is him stopping time with the watch and also just kind of busting out of handcuffs a little bit. (laughs) Yeah. And And putting thoughts in her head. But she didn't see Master Projector. All she sees is him just laying down in a park. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and he did give her like weird visions. He was like, he like touched her head and she was like, what did you do to me? He's like, I showed you a boring story about my childhood. (laughs) I showed you some boring footage. (laughs) So that's Dr. Morgan. It's um Ten Combs. I mean, I feel like yeah, <laughs> ten, ten Combs. Yeah. I, combs deserved better, but also he's he's the best. So he really made it, you know. I, I have zero complaints about Combs' performance in this. Yeah. And upon like subsequent watches, I I was like, he's really selling this magic stuff. Yeah. You know, yeah. he and Brian Thompson yeah. too, when they're having that showdown and they're both, you know, thrusting balls of light at each other they're just doing that with their hands and in real time, you know, then I don't know. I I liked it. It was believable. I'll say, I mean, casting saved this movie because, you know, it's everyone loves seeing Jeffrey Combs on screen and Brian Thompson is equally fun to watch on screen. 
Like yeah. they're almost exact opposites in a way where Brian Thompson is just this over the top villainous persona, which is like this ridiculous voice and like a skull face and he's jacked. And Jeffrey Combs is like, it's hard to describe how he is, but he's like meek, a little understated. And I, I like it. Yeah. I, I do wish the, the screenwriters of this gave the, or the two leads or at least the, at least Mordred and Cabal the same kind of attention they gave to like all the secondary characters. Yeah. Cause the secondary characters had really fun, interesting lines. And I get the main characters have to deliver a lot of plot and backstory and all this kind of stuff. But I don't know, it felt almost formulaic instead yeah. of like letting him really have fun with it. You know, I feel like when you, yeah. when you let Combs be unhinged, you know, in a movie, oh. like look at reanimator, like that's, that's him at his best where it's just like, he's nuts and yeah. it's great. It's perfect. Yeah. He's very restrained in this role. Um, yeah. Yeah. And it would be fine to be restrained if they balance it with showing the magic he can do. If like, yeah. if he's restrained, but we see, oh, he's a genius and he has all this magic, but instead he's restrained and mostly s- sitting in his apartment or standing in his apartment, reading <laughs> books and just kind of staring at the walls. <laughs> so it's like, it's a bad yeah. comedy. Well, like, how great would it have been if Mordred, like if they really push that character if maybe he's still mourning whoever that woman was, if he's just fully depressed, like he doesn't really care about stuff anymore. He's, he doesn't leave his apartment. He just stays in his gold robe and his blue bodysuit. And like, that's, that's all he wants to do. And this is like forcing him to like get out of his identity crisis too, where he's like, what's the point of trying to save it? Yeah. You know, it's just going to happen again. The prophecy says it'll just happen again. And it's like, he has to be almost like rallied to save humanity. And that would give Samantha something to do too, because then Mordred would be like, yeah. Mordred would be like, humanity is not worth saving because I lost my love 200 years ago. And Samantha would be like, I'm a cop. All I do all day is save people. And you got to see the, you could learn. Yeah. And then they could, I thought it'd be fun if Mordred is using all this arcane magic and reading scrolls and reading books. And Samantha has like shotguns and thumbprint archives with her cops. You know, so she's got all the cop technology. Yeah. The two of them together work to solve it, but that's not what happens. <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. Well, and I feel like you could have done that, and that that would have been a good like this would have been a good pilot with that as a yeah as a as a series run. You know, yeah. she she has this thing, and they're like equal but different. Right. Yeah. And like if there were a series of murders where he's having where Cabal is killing all of these women or something, and she's a cop who's trying to solve it, and maybe even like suspects Mordred at some point. And then he, you know, kind of realizes he's innocent, but he could help her. Yeah. Like all of that immediately sets up so much more tension and so much more for them mm-hmm. both to do. But yeah, we talked about before every the the main characters really feel like secondary characters. It feels like there's somebody missing who's actually gonna drive the plot. And even Cabal, like what he does, but like you said, then it just like he kind of stops at one point. Like yeah. he's doing things and then he's just kind of hanging mm-hmm. out, talking yeah. to old ladies on benches. You're yeah. like, what? <laughs> I would say there's there's really no character development whatsoever where like at the beginning, Dr. Mordred is a reserved magician who wants to stop Cabal. At the end, he's a reserve magician who wants to stop Cabal. <laughs> and like, yeah. like thousands yeah. of years old, or who knows what. Yeah. He's already had his character development. Yeah, but I would love to watch that. I would love to watch that TV show where yeah, every no, episode, every episode, there's some supernatural monster. Doctor Mordred is some like sorcerer that's been sent to Earth to stop these things. But oh, but 
the planes are converging and the monsters are getting too strong. And now Dr. Mordred alone can't stop all these monsters. And so he has this cop, you know, he has this lady cop friend and like, she's using her cop resources her helicopters and shotguns and computers. And, and, and he's using magic. Or mm-hmm. maybe if it's more in like modern times mm-hmm. and like, she's able to like Google stuff. Yeah. And like use GPS. Yeah, yeah exactly. Like <laughs> yeah. he's like, he's like, let me consult the scrolls. And she's like, ever hear of Google? He's like, <laughs> yeah. yeah that'd be funny yeah if he's like some somewhat of a luddite where he's like i don't use that type of stuff yeah. i'd rather astral project than be in a car yeah. yeah or i have to wait until these crystals like come into you know and she's like we don't have time for that like, yeah. it's, like, yeah. it's, it's a it's a cult 357 magnum it's better than a crystal of endor oh no uh, um yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> definitely 10 out of 10 yes 10 out of 10, 10, out of 10. 10. Jeffrey Combs. What was your guys' favorite part of the movie? I, I think the funniest part is when the guy is dancing on the train platform and gets arrested. Give me love, give nothing. Ow, 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 For everyone listening to this podcast, everybody listening, uh, every everyone, single person, just find just this every. Yeah, just find that scene. It's just really funny. It's just so strange. Yeah. Give me love. Man. And that guy's yeah. delivery is great. I love that guy. What's your favorite part? You I mean, mentioned- I would say same. I would say same and also Jeffrey Combs. <laughs> yeah, and Jeffrey Combs. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Jeffrey Combs is my favorite part. Great. <laughs> yeah, I was, I, I, I do like the, the, that Cutter storyline. I wish he was yeah, in it more. No, yeah. it's true. You know? I want to see more of the floating rock. Um, and actually, yeah. one thing that we didn't touch on, but I, I wrote a note. The music in this movie is, like, insane. It feels really? very, like, I don't know. It almost feels like a point-and-click adventure, like a, like a point-and-click video game. It, there's something, like, MIDI-esque about it. Well, it's yeah, it sounds cheap. Yeah. <laughs> it, just, it just sounds cheap. I don't. Uh, well, yeah. Yeah. Well, especially <laughs> that last scene, like you mentioned, the like Christmas scene. I, I didn't put it together that it was like Christmas music. Yeah. But it's like almost comical. It's yes. almost like a Three Stooges movie or something. Like when he says when he says the final line about like we need to have some eggnog and watch our movie for the first time. Like the music goes do 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 do, and then the closing credits come up and watch our movie. And it's so sick. <laughs> it's a sitcom. This should be a yeah. sitcom. Yeah. It was an era where like that kind of music was like cutting edge in a way. Uh, but well, yeah. <laughs> cutting edge cheap. They're like, we don't need a band. We could just push a button and it's almost as good. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. I keep using the word, but like it's charming in a way. Yeah. I still well, like that. Yeah. I mean, it, it makes yeah. me happy. Yeah. I would say this is a flawed film. <laughs> Except for Combs. Combs is perfect. It's a flawed film, but it, it is, is yeah. it is charming and it's so short that it never gets boring. And there's a handful of funny things. Yeah. Oh, it's super watchable. Yeah. There, there's enough funny things and like weird special effects kind of paced throughout that it's really enjoyable. Well, that's the pacing is actually it, it goes fast. It's one of those movies that you would think like not that much happens and, but it does kind of just clip along like new, new scene, new scene. Now he's in jail. Now he's running, but like it, it flows. It's it's fun. Yeah. 
it's it's actually like it's filmed pretty well it looks fine it sounds fine it's edited fine just no characters do anything <laughs> pretty much <from> yeah. <laughs> the only problem is most characters don't do anything but that's okay yeah, yeah. so they never made a sequel well no. it's weird. <laughs> well even this film is just like probably just bordering on being illegal because it's so oh. clearly ripping off dr strange yeah yeah there's there was on, online a, a picture of like an early poster sketch. I guess they hired Jack Kirby oh, wow, yeah. to do oh, like wow. a, like a sketch of the original poster, and that's it. I I don't know if they ran out of Jack Kirby money, and we're like we can't do any more. Yeah, but yeah. it's out there. It looks cool. I kind of wish it looked like that. Yeah. Uh, if anyone needs a Halloween costume, Doctor Mordred. It's his blue cape, blue pants, blue shirt. It's an amazing costume. Yeah. Very it's comfortable. A, really, yeah. 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 So I mean, watch Doctor Mordred. It's, yeah. yeah. Oh, and by the way, you can watch it for free on Tubi.com, right? That's where you watch it. Yeah, Tubi TV. There's commercials, but hopefully that's still up for anyone who wants to watch it. Yeah, nobody knows what Tubi is. Yeah. It's a strange streaming website where some movies are there. I guess it's legal because they show ads. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Well, I don't know if all of them do too. I've, or the ads are so sporadic. So you can kind of, I feel like you almost get lucky sometimes where you get really short ones or not that many. I feel like the second, when we watched when we watched it a second time today, um, we had, we had a lot more ads than I feel like even from before. Yeah. I think Tubi knows. (laughs) Tubi's like, you Maybe from all of us watching it a bunch, Tubi's like, ooh, Dr. Mordred is yeah. hot right now. Yeah. Lay on the ads. I just hope that, <laughs> that Combs gets like a tiny bit of money from us watching Dr. Mordred so much on Tubi well, TV. So. Yeah. Like a check for a penny. Yeah. The, the number of views went from zero to two, which represents an infinite jump, basically. An infinite percentage. Yeah. That's so hyperbolic. Yeah. <laughs> so the people at Tubi are just like freaking out, running around the office, trying to monetize Dr. Mordred now. Yeah. Oh man. So what's so what's next? What's our next? Uh, oh man. Combs group. There's so many. I kind of want to see Cellar Dweller again. Oh man. But, I would do that again. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So weird and so oh. funny too. Oh wait, I, love oh, I, was confu- I was confusing Castle Freak and Cellar Dweller. Oh I get those confused too, which is so funny because they're so different. But I bet this the, is yeah. Castle. There's like a there's a dungeon in Castle Freak, so like d- d- that's like Dungeon Dweller. Yeah, yeah. With a, with a terror, yeah. No. Yeah. Wait, which one did you mean? I meant cellar I dweller? didn't mean Cellar Dweller. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, Combs is only in like the first like ten minutes. Yeah. Maybe so we can. Could watch. Oh, that's right. Ten minutes. Yeah, we could just we could just do a mini episode on the first. <laughs> I almost want to do the frighteners, but only talk about Combs's role. Yeah. Like only talk about what's going on with his. There's so much to unpack there. I would love to talk about. Yeah, that. maybe we should do that as well. It's fresh in our memories a little bit because yeah. I feel like I don't need to rewatch that. Yeah, yeah. that's a, that's yeah. A, like a yeah a Wikipedia catch up on the plot or just a fast forward. Just watch his scenes. Yeah. Oh, that that might be a rental, but yeah, I I still like that's one of my favorite roles of his. He's just so yeah. bananas. Like I just wish the whole movie was kind of about just that character. Yeah, well, that's another one where like he's got backstory, but they don't really touch on most of it. And yeah. it's like, let me know, tell me more about this crazy guy. <laughs> yeah, holy moly. Yeah, so good. Uh, oh man. Yeah. 
We got an hour and yeah. forty minutes here. Oh my gosh! <laughs> Is it so much longer? Yeah. It's like <laughs> twice the length of Doctor Mortar. Yes. Yeah, almost. Yeah, it's amazing. Uh, Do you have an outro planned? Uh, Ooh, wait, didn't you have one? Didn't you have an outro planned? Uh, we are going to say Jeffrey Combs. Oh, I think that that actually was it. It's what was our favorite part, and then we all, of the movie, and then in unison we all say Jeffrey Combs. Oh, okay, let's good. do it. <laughs> okay. uh, so, you guys, what was our favorite part of the movie? Jeff- Jeffrey Combs. <laughs> <laughs> it's perfect.